On today's episode, Dave interviews Danny Breen. Danny's a Second City alum, a three-time Emmy Award winner, produced The Wayne Brady Show, The Ellen DeGeneres Show, Whose Line Is It Anyways? He's been on Seinfeld, and there's a cast on Not Necessarily the News for eight seasons. I'm Ian Foley. This is A to D Comedy. He's got so much information. Uh, Jeffrey Sweet, and it's... And... It's the reason that I want to talk, to, that I like to talk to people. Like, I'm going to talk, I'm going to, talk to Sheldon when I go to Chicago. Sheldon's uh, another guy with a lot of info. So he much. saw it all. You know, he, he, right, yeah. right. And, uh, and Fred Kaz, talk to Fred. Because, um, you know, Fred's, Fred's health is not, is not good. I no, he just had a real scare for a couple of weeks back. Yeah. And he's doing okay. I talked to him Thanksgiving. He's, oh, you did? Okay, good, yeah, good. He's doing okay. Yeah, Jane Morris said that I, I need to talk to him. Jane and Jeff said you got to talk to him. And I, yeah. I was like, absolutely. I absolutely have to talk to him. And, and I saw... When he's I was great to Ch- talk to even if it wasn't for that. I know, right? Yeah. Right? Fred, it's uh, an experience to talk to Fred. Say time. that again? It's an experience Yeah. when you talk to Fred. It really clearly is. is. Yeah. And he's, again, he's not one of these people that if you're caught on a plane with him, you're thinking, oh my God, how am I... How's this, how's this going to work out? Because if I'm going to play with Fred, it's like I'm just going to sit there and listen. The experiences that I had with Fred, when he, and I think I might have mentioned it before on the podcast, but the experiences that I've had with Fred as a musical director have been really magical, uh, where you do a scene and, and, you go, and suddenly you're in the middle of a scene and you're thinking, I don't know where to go here. And then a moment later, you know exactly where to go. And, right, he's, but you he's don't He's tinkling something on the piano and it's this subliminal... And you don't know. Yeah, he takes you there. He really, really yeah. takes you there. And I wonder, Ruby was like that too, Ruby Streak. Did you work with her? Well, yeah, Fred would kind of blow off work a lot when I was there. Right. <laughs> so we had Ruby a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. And so Ruby was another one that you, yeah. like she, she, she really took that. Everything seems to be so different now because there's, there's so much canned music. And the toothpaste is out of the tube, and there's not much you can do about it. But yeah. the canned music makes it so that they can't help you as much as they would initially. No. That's already locked in, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I not, it's not in the moment, you know. No, and, yeah. I, and I again, I haven't been. I haven't been. Have you been to the, the see a show in a while? It was a year ago. Whatever show that was. That's it was good. City. It was. It was a good show. You mm-hmm. know, and the, the cast was wonderful. Mm-hmm. I love that girl, Katie Rich, who just got hired by Saturday Night Live as a writer. Right. But she was great. And right. Very funny. What do you think when people get hired as a, like, for me, when I saw Katie Rich got hired, my feeling was, oh, I don't know her. And I, and, and my stomach went, oh, I really wanted to, because I, I think I know her online or something like that. But there's no feeling of, there used to be feelings of jealousy, but then I figured it out. It's like, I'm not jealous of that. It's just somebody doing something that I would never do, but it's not jealous. You don't seem to be a jealous type. Oh, no. I, you know, particularly when it's Second City people. Right. To me, it's family. So I'm, I always root for And it's good for all of us when something good happens with any of them. Right. And certainly you as a producer, you, I think that that's really a major part of it too, the idea of, when success comes to one person, like your success in what it is that you're doing, you're, st- you're producing Whose Line right now, right? Yeah. And in that way, you're, sp- you're spreading, you're helping people in that way too. To, to sure. Be like for this last batch of shows they shot, they wanted to bring in some new people. Mm-hmm. So I got to pick basically who came in, uh-huh. except for the people that the network always wanted that were, had nothing to do with anything. Right. And who are those people? Can you, can you say who those people from the network Oh Well, you know, it was a, all the Second City people I brought in, I was really proud of. Right. Because they had, they had a very distinct style, and they weren't panicking like a lot of people were. Interesting. And trying to get that, and which, which the people above me were going more gravitating for the people who would, were pushing, because they were going for laughs. And the Second City people were patient. Right. And were, like, l- allowing these people to do whatever they were doing. Right. And then still did something kind of nice to pay it off. You know? Do you think that that was... Because I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's the reason that I just love I love our family. Is that patience and that idea of... I'm, I, I'm here to make you look better. And the laugh will come. 
I don't have to push it. Yeah, we got to do it six nights a week in Chicago. People here, they do it once, twice a week, if that, and they're here. Right. <laughs> and they're, they're trying to get jobs is what they're trying to do. Right. Chicago, we just knew, you know, first you knew you could trust everybody you're out there with. Right. So it was just, yeah, just go on for the ride. Why did you leave? You left. Why did you leave? What was the reason that you Oh, left? I got hired for not necessarily the news. That's right. That's Which right. Was, yeah. How'd that feel to leave? Oh, it was, I had very mixed emotions because I'd been, I'd been on main stage for almost four years. Pretty long time. No, I know. I, I used to see you. I used to see you all the time. And uh, so, and, and a lot of my friends had already left, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But I Who still was the first person to leave? First person. That to That kind leave. of broke your heart. Oh, uh, well, Tim left pretty early on uh-huh. for Saturday Tim Night Live. Kazarinsky. Yeah, uh-huh. and he was he was sort of my go-to guy when I first got in there. You know, because George doesn't want to work too hard to train. But George went. Yeah, he's yeah. always casual stuff. Right. <laughs> Tim was the guy that was always very encouraging and. Let's, and, you know, was always open to whatever I wanted to try. Right. I had to replace Donnie DiPolo. Yes. Which is, he was probably the most unique person ever I, to grace the stage at Second City. Why do you say that? Because I, I had Donnie as a teacher, and I don't really remember him as a performer. But a big difference. A lot of people say that about Donnie. Uh, so what was it that was about Donnie that you go, he was... Uh, He's he, still, people still ask me, where's that little guy? Right. What's that guy doing? Because anybody that watched him perform... He was, you know, he he was like a he was the Raven. He was he, he just did stuff nobody else did. Right. He had a very bizarre mind, mm-hmm. and uh, just unique. Nobody else. He wasn't doing what anybody else was doing. He changed my life as a teacher. He really, really changed my life. He really cared about people too. He tried real hard to, you know, because I taught with him once. Uh huh. He did care about people, and he, yeah. and and that's an interesting thing that you said that because at the time that I had him as a teacher, I think prior to my getting to Second City, I was at I.O. and Sharna booted me off a team. Um, way, way back, 80, late 80s. And she booted me off a team and then she said, oh, I've got this workshop that Don, Don DePolo is teaching. And he, he like laser beamed what my, what, my conf- what my challenge was and he knew exactly what to do. And I will never ever forget that, nor will I, nor will I ever stop saying how important that was in my life. I lived with Danny for a while, which is a pretty unique thing too. <laughs> right? He was a pretty eccentric fella. Mm-hmm. In what way? Oh, he was uh, he was a wake and bake person, mm-hmm. right? Plus, he was already on like bizarre meds. Mm-hmm. He had like bottles of medicine. Mm-hmm. He was and ill. Was he ill? Or he was had it just Crohn's a... disease, right? And he was one of the first people actually who had Crohn's disease that they started giving um, what is it uh, the, the stuff they give people for uh, they swell up usually and stuff. Oh, prednisone. Yes, that saved his life. Uh-huh. But it probably ultimately was what destroyed his heart. Right. My mother was on prednisone for a bit, and she had... It's a crazy drug. It's a crazy drug. Yeah. And like she'd get growths in her back, and she'd like have this puffy look. And I'm like, what's happening to my mom? Yeah. What's happening? I was crushed, and I bet you were too. I mean, we just lost Jay Leggett. And when these people go, it's... it's man, it just brings the community together, but it also... It reminds us of the existential experience that that is this life that we're leading. Yeah, I watched his memorial. I, it was streaming. I did too. Yeah, and, I uh, did. I, I watched. Actually, they it. were looking for you. I know. <laughs> I know they were looking for me. And the moment they're shouting, "Dave Zosky's here!" Where's Dave Zosky? I was like, "I'm over here. I'm home." I, just I can't come. It. I can't come. But I did get in the car and I went over there. And I ended up. Uh, I ended up hanging out uh, as soon as they were saying, "Get over here!" I'm like, I don't know. So that was. What did you think about that? that memorial oh well it was pretty heartbreaking just because of you know he was a pretty special guy i think it was good for people i think most the guys that were up on stage really needed that night that's interesting yeah um the one thing with those memorials and when it's an actor involved uh, and a lot of actors are going to be going up on stage i find there's a tendency to be too self-referential yes (laughs) as opposed to talking about the person who's gone Right. It's like, you know, I was in a play. There was a gal the other night. I didn't know who she was. Kind of a mess, holding a drink. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. right. Talking about Chicago. Who is she? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, talking about Chicago. And he directed her show. She was talking about her shows and stuff like that. And it was almost like 
you, you guys probably don't know me, but here's my resume. And I was like, you know, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm erasing you right now. Yeah. But it there was, was a lot of other people that broke my heart. It know? really was, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. And, and what, I, what I loved about it, you know, what I loved about it was it, it's a reminder. It's a reminder that we came from somewhere. It's a reminder that we are inspired by people. It's a reminder of gratefulness and appreciation. Uh, it's also a reminder of acceptance, you know, that this is, this is, this is what happens. We have a great, great family. That's, uh, you know, I was real sick. Right. What were, you, what were you sick with? You had I had stage four cancer that had metastasized. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a very lucky guy. Yeah. And a big part of getting better, I think, was our family. Yes. I remember, and, and even though you may not know it, what, the the missives that were going that were the emails that were being sent out and the Facebook messages that were being sent it, out. It was overwhelming. It was it was blew me away. Yeah. In what way? People I didn't even know were just sending me amazing love uh -huh. and, and uh, get better and you know and you need that right really bad when you're in that boat right and uh, you know you you try anything but th that I, it just came to me yeah. And what's your, what's your, aside, what's your takeaway from all that, you know, from that experience? Oh, uh, well, you know, I don't wish it upon anybody, but, and I was told this pretty early on uh, by a few other cancer victims, uh, that it could be a gift. And, you know, the first time you hear it, you kind of go, okay. Right. But it was. It, you just, it changes everything, how you look and how every, you meet every day. Right. And, uh, you know, everything you cherish and what's important. Right. I was never good at saying no. Uh, and I'm still not great at it. But I've sort of learned I have to take care of myself, too. Right. Um, and, and I think that came about while I was sick. You know, like, there was, sometimes I just had to go, no. Did you, did you ever read um, or see uh, Jill Bolte-Taylor's TED Talk? about her, she had a stroke. Um, she was a, a neuroanatomist at Harvard and she so. had a stroke. And she, because she was a neuroanatomist, a brain doctor, um, she was able to be aware of what it was that was going on while it was happening to her. Oh. And she lost, totally lost her personality. It went away. It, you know, she, her, her, her brain, half her brain was drowned in blood. And she had to relearn everything like everything, like who she was and what she did and all that. The interesting things, like she could never sing. And then once she had this stroke, she was a great singer and could play the piano. Yeah. You know, those sort of things. But one of the things that she really, she said was, the people that I was tolerating before I had my stroke, I would not tolerate them at all anymore because, because I, I don't want to. Well, you just, you know, that it is very finite slaps you in the face. Mm -hmm. And why waste time? Right. You know, I used to allow people to waste my time a lot. In what way? <laughs> well, I just, you know, I, I couldn't say no. So I would, right. I would sit there and let somebody <laughs> babble on about something I didn't care about. And it was a waste of time. Or, you know, those people that would come to you after shows and they'd have these harebrained ideas. And you knew it was, oh, this is never going to happen. But follow your dream, you know. But, you know, right. now I, I, I could get past them a little quicker. How do you, you get know? past them? You go, great, I got to go. Yeah, I, right. it's it's real simple, yeah. which I didn't know, because <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to hurt feelings, right? And stuff, you know. I was raised that you know, Irish Catholic, be nice to everybody. Uh, my dad's big thing was if you can't say something nice about somebody, don't say anything at all. And that's and I didn't say anything. Right. I would sit there, frozen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got cornered at the uh, I got cornered at the memorial, and um, and I I kept saying things like, well, I gotta go. I gotta go. Uh, I gotta go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I gotta go. And uh, the person was like, "Yeah, great. So, what are you doing?" It's like, "No, no, no, no. I gotta go." Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, in our world, that's you know, everybody's fishing all the time. I know? also believe that people are uh, that I, I think that there are a lot of people who are closed off and don't have an opportunity, especially when I haven't seen them in a really long time. And I get that. Sure. But there, but it goes back to, these are people that I really need to connect to right now. Because we're going through, we're personally going through our own grieving process. 
And yes, I like who you are, but I also feel like I've got, I've got to do this for me. Yeah, and you do. And you do. Yeah. Did you do um, uh, 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 Bernie? Were you at Bernie's? No, I sent in. A, I sent in a thing. I felt really, really bad. I couldn't go. Right. Because I did get along with Bernie really well. I know you did. Yeah. We um, when I think about Bernie, I think about you, and um, I think about uh, Rick Thomas, and uh, I think about Mary Gross, and I think about all these, all these people from that era that I used to go and watch, and what what an imprint Bernie had on everybody. In a way that y'all y'all talk the same sort of way too. I don't know if that makes. But he any sort sense. of saved our. You know, Bernie was the guy because Dell was wasn't his most highly functioning time that period, and he Dell would always take us to a point with a show, and he something would happen, mm-hmm. and Dell would be gone. Then. Right. And Bernie would swoop in. It would always be two to three weeks before an opening. And, and and then Ben Bernie would also, and we'd have to be doing stuff none of us wanted to do. You're all poets on the beach, you know, and we'd all be like, "What poets? Romance? Be romantic poets, you know." And we'd he all was so them. smart, though. Oh, he was. He, he, was, he, was a, he was. And I was sort of the antithesis to him of like, you know, I did a lot of cheap stuff and things like that. And he would, he was, uh, he would give in on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does that mean? The laughs were big enough. That he would, all right, you get that. Right. Yeah. We had a blackout we would do, and it was the cheapest thing in the world. It was men lined up at urinals. Uh-huh. And uh, it was this uh, a casual, somebody looking over, and I would panic and go, hey, you just looked at my dick. Right. And it would turn into this big uproar and stuff like that. And then somebody would go, oh, whoa, whoa, calm down. I read it. It's very normal. And you know, blah, 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 blah. And they'd be like, yeah, all right, okay. You know, we'd, and we'd all go back to the, what we were doing. And... But then everybody starts going like this, and the lights would go out, and it would get killed every time know, it was so ever done. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that he wouldn't ever give us that. He would never put it in the show. No, I even got Jane, his wife, to politic for it, because she said it is funny. You know, <laughs> come on, Benny, and he went, no, I will not. That will not go on my stage. I remember having a, a when I was directing a show on main stage. He and I had a, a commiseration festival of what's happening and what's going on and cheap shots and those sort of things because the stage version, what you're doing at Whose Line is really different than a stage version of oh, yeah. a show. Sure. There's so much that you... Uh, with the stage version, at, at least when... Again, I don't know how it is now. But when I was doing it, there's patience and there's, there, there's looking at each other and there's storytelling and that sort of thing. But it's not commodity. Oh no! Whose line? It's you know, how fast can you be and how funny can you be? Mm-hmm. And that's what they look for. I mean, we have some of the people in it just blow me away. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I think Ryan's one of the funniest people that ever grace the stage, and Colin, right? Uh, equally, you know, they're different, and you know, but they have the, and they're working together is beautiful. Right. It's a it's an awesome it's one of the, it's old school classic comedy, and I don't know if I've even really thought about this. It's a classic comedy duo. Yeah. You know? Oh, they totally are, yeah. Who was you, who, when you were, when you were younger, who were the people that you looked at and went, that's who, or, or that, that got you, that, when I say got you, that got your, that, that funnied you? Well, let's see. I, Where did you, you grow up? I grew up in Cleveland. Uh, right, that's right, that's right. And right. Um, I remember loving watching Jackie Gleason with my father. Because mm-hmm. he, he, my dad didn't, almost ever watched television. Mm-hmm. But if Jackie Gleason was on, he was right there. Uh-huh. And he loved Jackie Leonard, too. Right, Jackie well, Leonard. A lot of people don't That's remember. That's crazy. And my dad, would like, and he was a kind of a quiet, soft-spoken guy. He would bust a gut watching Jackie So Leonard. Jackie Leonard was the guy who played... <laughs> yeah, everything was real fast. <laughs> and rad, 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 rad. Right, right, so All this right, kind of right. double-speak and all this kind of stuff. Right. And that just killed me. And just watch my dad enjoy it that much. So those are the sort of things where you look at somebody, you look at somebody that you respect, and you see the joy, that the, the laughing, and you. And for me, I know I want to make that person laugh. I want to make my dad laugh. I want to make my aunt laugh. I want to make sure, my that mom was, laugh. That was our audience. At that, that was time. our audience, and yeah. those audiences, in that way, I think I might still be playing to those people. Yeah. In yeah. my own way. Sure. Where, where if I made somebody laugh, it's like it's just as equal as my making my mom laugh or making my dad laugh. It's still a joy, yeah, to be able to do that with your family. Right. 
Then Robert Klein was the first right. person that like I kind of went, oh, this guy's not in a tuxedo. <laughs> you, know, right. you don't have to wear a tuxedo to be funny. Right. And uh, and it, and it, he's talking about stuff that I relate to, and, mm -hmm. and you know, so he was the first one I think. And right after him, I mean, everything kind of. You know, then Saturday Night Live was on. Right. Shortly thereafter that, and that was like this. I remember sitting watching the first Saturday Night Live, going. There's a show, and it's just for me. Right. You know, right. thank God. You right. Know, TV's something else. Yeah. It changed everything. Yeah. I mean, it really, really changed everything. And I feel like, in a way, I feel like those are those people are my my older cousins. Yeah. You know, uh, the people that started that. Sure. Uh, um, did you work with any of those? Did you work with those people at all? Uh, very, you know, hit and miss kind of things. I, Billy Murray did a special at Second City right. when I was there. Right. Uh, was it the 25th or is that something different? It was even, no, it was the even before the 20th. Right. It was just, WGN is where the things aired. Mm -hmm. We did one with Avery Schreiber and mm -hmm. one with Billy. And uh, God, Avery, there's another guy that you go, you know, he he, was, he had so much influence over people. Oh, yeah. Especially out here. A lot of people out here. Yeah, he was yeah. a great teacher. A really, really great teacher. Yeah. Um, and... And well, he was a viola guy and all that kind of, you know. I got to work with viola, which was kind of a, a thrill. I, you know, at first I was kind of like, oh, what a pain in the ass, old cranky bitch. When I hear about viola spolen, <laughs> so many people say that. But I never had the experience of, because Dell wasn't going to tell me, don't just sit in a chair, you know, go ahead and sit in a chair and be funny. He was fine with that. Right. She, you know, was the first person to go, get up and use your space and the where. And I was like, going, what? You know. And I needed it. You right. know, it was this whole, she opened a lot of doors for me that I probably never would have looked in. And where, where, where were you taking those classes? Where, where it was, it was a, a, Paul took a group to New York. Mm -hmm. well, Paul Sills. His, yeah, uh, her sorry. son, Paul Sills. Mm -hmm. And uh, they needed a group to go in to, the, they were a theater on Heliotrope, Melrose uh -huh. and Heliotrope. Oh, yeah, where the Sacred Fools is? I think that that's what's uh -huh. in there now. Uh-huh. And, uh, right. So we we did it, you know, and and Viola took over. She directed it. Mm -hmm. So and I was just asked to do it by some people. Right. And we, so we have to do the workshop. It was like, and it was. Do you remember John Bates? Yes. Yeah. John Bates was doing it yes. as well. Uh huh. And it was this, you know, it was the first time it was somebody going like, okay, walk around the stage. Right. Feel the space go through you. And right. you know, he was the most cynical guy in the world. Right. And he'd be like next to me going, oh, this is bullshit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I was going. Feel the space, child. Did you? Were you? Did you? Grow, did you grow up as an actor? Did you grow up like? What's your background? Uh, no, I wasn't an actor. Although I was always fascinated by that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I, it was always something I go, "Oh, nobody could be in show business. That's right. ridiculous." Isn't know? that interesting to think that nobody can be in show business? That's ridiculous. And then, because uh, I remember watching your cast and thinking, and thinking, I could never do that because that's what other people do. Yeah. It's impossible, yeah. Right. I, you know, it was, to me, it was, uh, I always, I loved watching any comedy and that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. I, I sort of fell in, I was always in plays and things like that at school, but, you know, didn't take it all. It was just something fun to do. Right. And uh, Miriam Flynn's a really, I've known her since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And she, oh, she's, in, she's an Ohioan as well? She's a Cleveland person. Yeah, we Cleveland. were friends as kids. You Cleveland people, like Michael McCarthy and, I there's know, a lot of Fred Willard. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Right, but keep going. You were saying so. So uh, Miriam went, moved to Chicago, mm -hmm. and she was like one of my good buddies at the point when she moved. And I was like, oh, now what am I going to do? And it was uh, I, so I'd go visit, and her uh, uh, then boyfriend Will, uh, soon become her husband. He one day said, you know, they have auditions at Second City today. Why don't you go do it? And I just kind of looked at him. I said, what are you talking about? Right. And, and then he goes. You know, I, I think you're really funny. And I said, mm -hmm. oh, no. You know, so I went there strictly to experience something. Right. With no expectations at all. Right. And you know how you know, these are people, that, the group that I sat in with, they'd been working for I don't know how long. And they, you know, there they were, that close to pulling the sword out of the stone. And I just kind of nonchalantly walked in and had this lovely afternoon of screwing around on stage. And I remember I was on stage with this guy. And Bernie said, you guys, you're, you're from the Eye of Stone Weekly. And this guy didn't know what that was. Uh -huh. 
So I ate them up a lot. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. And Bernie was pleased that I knew what I of Stone Weekly right. was at the time. Right, 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 right. And uh, they were going to put me in the touring company. And he goes, and he, and he just, so he just talked to me for a while. And he said, what's your background? And I just said, well, I was in high school plays. <laughs> I didn't play in college. Mm -hmm. And I took an improv class in Cleveland, you know. And he was kind of like, oh, <laughs> okay. Then he, he said, what about if you move here and start taking our workshops? Would you want to do that? And I was really doing nothing that I cared about back in Cleveland. Right. And I went, I, you know, I'll be back. Who were who's teaching? It was Dell. You, then you had just two choices. It was Dell or um, uh, what's her name with the Sunday Kids show. Oh uh, oh oh uh, 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 oh my gosh, lovely Josephine Forsman. Josephine, yeah, yes, Josephine. Forsman. And uh, everybody kind of said to me, "Take Dell's, take Dell's." Right. You know. So I and then. Shortly after I started Dell's class, uh, he, that his class became a group performing. He, he set up a gig for us on Lincoln Avenue, a place called Sylvester's. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the, the group would be like 20, 30 people. Mm -hmm. it was, so it was a very unwieldy, very uneven But not show. many people had groups, did they, at that time? No, no. It was, one that was one of the very first things, maybe the first. And, uh, and then, well, then Jeff... And, and uh, Jim Fay and those guys started up, and they were they right. were Josephine folks. Right. They were they started up pretty close to that yeah. same time. Yeah. Right. Right. And uh, but so it was people that ran that show that I was in started going. Let's get rid of dead weight. So they just start chopping people out of the show, and it got smaller and smaller until finally, all of a sudden, it was just five or six of us. Who was it? Who was it? It was uh, Bernadette Burkett, who's George. George's wife, who also right. ended up in second. We all ended up in Second City. Ultimately. But Bernadette is so lovely. Oh yeah. my God. And uh, Mark Nutter right. was our piano player and really? performer. Yeah. He must have been a young, young. Oh, then. very young. It was like, he'd like, we had the uh, piano player we had before him wasn't, he was really a guitar player. Uh -huh. So he'd always just played Beatles songs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many scenes I did to Let It Be. Uh, but, Richard Label plays, uh, he's like, one time some, the piano player didn't make it, and Label knows um, Misty. So he was really Misty. <laughs> <laughs> but he would play it faster or slower, but it was all Misty. <laughs> That's what this fella did for us. And also, Mark was there, and it was uh, like a. And I think that sort of made us a unique group, is because we ended up doing a lot of music. Right, great! What a great Those wonderful musician. parodies and stuff like that. that yeah, he, but you know. uh, but also like a, like a mind for original pieces too. When he's working with Joe Liss and he's working with the Bicycle Man and all oh, that yeah. sort of stuff. Oh my God! But that was a game changer there too. So like, well, we became the darlings of Chicago media. What's the name of the company? Reification. Reification company. company, right? And uh, and there was a couple of people like Bill Nigat was a guy who was used to do news and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. We had Norman. Uh, Mark. Right. So they brought in all these media people, and then we was were... Was Tom Tully in that, too? Tom Tully. He was one of the original guys, yeah. Right, right. In fact, he was the, one of the guys that started cutting people out of it. Uh-huh. And at one point, there was 10 of us. The first time it was ever called, like, we took photos and stuff. There was 10. And, uh, Tom, Rob Riley? Rob was in it. Uh-huh. Noni uh, eventually was in it, but she wasn't in it in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Bernadette. Bernadette. Uh, Mark Nutter. Uh... There's a photograph that I saw of you guys walking down a, a staircase. Oh, just recently, yeah. yeah. That that, and that I think uh, Norman was in that. Uh -huh. Right, Norman was in that too. We had a girl named Beth Jacoby, who's mm -hmm. still in Chicago, does a lot of voice work and stuff like that. Look at the life we have. So we were the first right? thing that Second City had to deal with, like right. going on outside of Second City, mm -hmm. which I think Bernie took as a kind of a threat. And uh, I was the first one that got hired. And it was mainly because uh, Bernie asked Tim Kesarinsky and he asked Sheldon, and Sheldon was sort of our mentor for that group. He kind of wow. he came in fairly early on and said, Sheldon's been "I such love a you guys." For so many yeah. people, and he'd come to every show and he'd give us notes. Uh huh. And then when Donnie was leaving, Bernie goes, "I want to replace that same bizarre energy. I know right. there's not going to be Donnie, but and both of them gave him my name. Uh huh. What an interesting thing. Yeah. And so he called me in and he said, "I'm you know I'm hiring you." So I went right into the main stage. Uh huh. Which poor Haggerty at the time was he was in like the turn company, uh -huh. and he uh, uh, Bob Falls asked Bernie, "Who's your new guy going to be?" And Bernie said, "A big Irishman with a mustache." Oh, which and Falls was buddies with Mike, <laughs> and called him, and you know, cut to like a few days later, there I am, 
who Mike didn't even know. And he used That's to sit on the bench and just look at me at first. We, you know, now we're wonderful friends. But, right. Yeah. Right. It's amazing, like during those times where, like, uh, because it got your soul when somebody got up there. You thought, why are they? What are they doing up on the main stage? When you yeah. sit on the bench, and the idea of sitting on the bench, and that there's still a bench, and people still sit on the bench. I was and, lucky. I had a lot of friends in the company at the time, right. so I had this immediate. You know, they, I was accepted immediately. Right. I didn't have to win them over or anything like that. They already liked me. The sense of community is huge yeah. in everything that we do. Because I remember coming out here, and I think that you're one of the people that when I came out here, uh, and we were up front in Santa Monica, you were doing you were doing shows there, right? Sure. Yeah, and I remember coming out here, leaving Second City January 8th of 95, and I think I got out here uh, January 15th of 95, and I think January 18th of 95, I was on stage with you guys. And it... It, that that community made me go. I'm gonna, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Now I still like enjoy seeing the kids come out. Uh, you know, there's a million of them now. Right. Now there's these guys. I perform at Jane and Jeff's theater. Yeah. Quite a not a, quite a bit, but Fanatics like once a one. month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a bowling night for us. But, right. But uh, the same night we usually perform, there's these guys. Mr. Johnson mm-hmm. is the name of their group, and they're all in about five or six groups. But they, they're, they're this revelation to me. It was the, the first time they performed. I was sitting next to Joe Liss, and uh, we were we were going to follow them, and they opened, and they were brilliant and killed, and and Joe and I are laughing real hard, and I, we looked at one another and we went, we have to follow, <laughs> and we never followed them again. <laughs> they were the op- you were the openers. Yeah, right. And and they're, and they're still just yeah. You know, they just had this energy and stuff that. And, and had honed in on it. The Herald had grown where we weren't really privy to, you know, this, we weren't doing that. We were st- kind of stuck in our, you know. I, I remember watching, um, what's, what was Bernadette's group? Um, oh, Funny You Should Ask. Yeah. I remember watching. Is that what? No. No, 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 no. no, no Funny no, She Ask no. was John Bates's old No, group. it was. Um, uh, uh, off the Wall. Off the Wall. Well, I remember, I've performed in that group. Right, like right. Times, I remember so. like watching Off the Wall and saying, that we don't do that anymore. Nobody, yeah, they and still do it. I know, and I'm say, not, not saying that in necessarily a bad way, but that's closer to Viola Spolin than what's happening right now. I mean, it's still Viola, but it's further down. Josh Funk, when he was running uh, Second City for a while here in Hollywood, mm-hmm. he kind of made a move out to get bring in some older guys. So he went to the, he knew George, and George said, well, why don't you get Bernadette's group, and I'll do it with them. Right. And uh, and then he, and then Josh goes. Is there anybody else from Second City you could bring in? So I feel like it's somewhat. So I did it too. Mm-hmm. So we played games and it would do pretty well. And I was always kind of like, wow, I, you know, because I'm always kind of like amazed when I perform with them that people still watch the games, right? <laughs> and they're right. you know still elated with it, kind of thing. And uh, Josh said, well, you know what it is? They they still have that in some of the classes. They never get to see it done anywhere on any level. And you guys do it at a fairly good level, right? Right. They're a very hilarious group. If you, I don't know if you ever worked with them, but they, they're really, really set in their ways. Oh no, no, those guys. Yeah, right, the, yeah off the wall, right, off the wall. No, in I fact, have. If you stand like where one of them usually stands in a conducted thing or something like that, they'll go, um, "I stand there," <laughs> and you'll go, "Oh, all right, go, sure." I can stand clearly here. see that. Yeah, and in fact, I got to do. Uh, you know how people would go to Vienna for Second City? Yes. Uh, this was not all that long ago, and it was uh, Joyce was there was a big fight going on in Chicago. Who goes to Vienna this year? Mm-hmm. And uh, Bernadette's brother was running for some state election right. thing. We went back and did a benefit for his election, and uh, it was George and Bernadette and I and a lot of the off the wall people. Mm-hmm. And the show killed, and Cheryl sits next to Joyce and goes, "That's who you should send to Vienna." These guys. And Joyce goes. That's a great idea. So we broke I don't know how many hearts in Chicago. Right. And we all got to, got to go to Vienna, but it was this weird amalgam of an off-the-wall show and a Second City show. Mm-hmm. And I started getting a little bitchy about it. You know, in like, what way? Well, I just knew some of that stuff wouldn't fit. Right. That they do. Right. Then they had that progression of people to come in and audition for things and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I went to George, I, I said, you know, one bad make a song is, is torture to have four or five of them no. put a bullet to my head, you know. Right. 
And George was going, oh, they do it all the time. It kills. I go, no, I've done it with them. It doesn't kill. Right. They do it all the time, but it doesn't kill. You know, there's one or two very funny things, right. but the rest of it is just kind of, you know, very mediocre make a song kind right. of stuff. And, I, and I'm not a make a song guy, so I would always just go out and uh, teach people how to twist. Was my, I said, I'm a dancer. And, and, and then Dylan Tully would always go, well, I'll dance, you know. But uh, I just said, this isn't going to work. And then it was uh, maybe the second night of the run. And I would always do this. In Vienna. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I came up with this thing where I was always the same guy in any of their games. Mm-hmm. And he was either walking into the wrong room or something like that so I could get in and out. Right. And I did that for the audition thing. I just immediately went, oh, I, yeah, I've screwed up again. I'm sorry. Right. And I was You're off bit. stage. And I You're got up my laugh. Right. And uh, it was like the second night George kind of came off and he went, I give. You're right. Right. You know. And we had a meeting that night, and we had, you know, we had to make some changes, and we needed a closer because that was the closer. Right. And right. Fred wrote us one of his on the spot, you know, good night everybody, bye bye kind of thing, and we got out of there, you know. Oh, so you had sketch and you had games. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we had a lot of games. I love that theater in Vienna. Oh yeah, the whole experience the that was a really fun theater experience. Is really yeah. great. And Joyce had been there. She went with you. Yeah, Joyce. Joyce right. was there, and it was. Uh, yeah, in fact, I think you had preceded, because Michael w- w- had already done it, and I think he did it with you. Right. Michael and Carell and Fran Adams and Tim O'Malley um, and Ron West, yeah. uh, Ruthie Rudnick, uh, Clay Taylor, I think, was there. I think Clay was there. Was Not great, Clay, Craig. Craig, yeah. Craig Taylor. It was Craig. a great gig, you know. It's <laughs> a great gig. And I mean, yeah. think about how many gigs, how many great gigs I've had because of the Second City. How many great Shows I've, uh, how many great venues I've played. I got to go back, it was about, probably about four years ago. It was right after the, the anniversary. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they, they raised, they have these benefits for the Second City Fund, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. And uh, they brought back Tim and George and I and that mm-hmm. cast to do a show. And we did the ETC, two sold out shows. We didn't know until right before the show that it was a hundred bucks a ticket. And then we all went, oh no. <laughs> You charge people hundred bucks. Well, the fiftieth. How much was the fiftieth? You know what I mean. Yeah. The 50th oh, yeah. Was, was so we. Yeah. Everybody else. The the idea was sort of like do the stuff you did back then. Right. And I was the only one being a producer writer type guy now that I changed all my stuff and plugged in new jokes and stuff like that. Well, you're you're still you got your finger still in what's going on probably more than most people that I know because you because whose line is so. Uh, it's such a it's such a franchise, and it kills all the time. Yeah, it's a very and safe, it feels, cheap show to do. Exactly, and for you to be a producer there, you know, you're still thinking, you're still in the mix, you're still working that out. And what a great thing it is to go from an actor to a writer producer because it reinvigorates. I would imagine. You, it, it's kind of well, you know, I've done some of the worst television that's ever been, on TV, uh-huh. and I've done stuff that I'm really proud of that I was right. connected with, but. Uh, yeah, you know, you, you, one of my main functions at Who's Line is like I'm the voice of America because mm-hmm. it's mostly British people right. on the production. And they'll have their expressions and stuff like that. And I'll go, you, you can't say that. Right. And you have to explain to them why they, you can't say that. And maybe this would be better to be said, you know. And I love that them. kind of stuff. You I have to convince it. them that that's what it is. Yeah. And this last time, he brought all British people over. Actors? No, oh, no. It Producers. was literally like the the people that did everything mm-hmm. but he only had two of us from the old original show and who was I think the other person her, her name is uh, Christy and she uh, she did a lot of stuff for the show and he, we were basically there to sort of show these guys we sort of gone I think we're losing a job here we're training these guys but we're both going to go back this next time great but uh, a lot of it was like he didn't get references anymore because he'd been out of the country mm-hmm and references, we, got it, got it. You know, it. it'd be like a, you know. Cultural I, references. Yeah, we, I, we had pitched an idea of uh, a horrible, one of those sweet 16 people that used to be on MTV, just the most spoiled, disgusting, but they're hilarious to watch the tapes of that. Right. And I knew that something Wayne would just go berserk on. Right. And and he would not, he didn't know what it was. And luckily, these this day and age, one of these British kids put it up on YouTube and just shoved it in front of him. And he went, here it is. Right. And he looked at it, and you know, the whole room looked at it, and everybody was laughing their ass off and going, oh, what a horrible kid, you know. <laughs> and then he went, okay, I get it. Right. right you know. Boy, I, I, I say it so many times in this on the podcast, just the accessibility that we have right now to 
the rest of the world changes the comedy that we have right now because we're so connected on so many different levels. And, and it must be hard to do a Second City show now because you can't just do you know Nixon and no. Daily and that sort of thing because everybody knows everything. Yeah. Are you watching any TV? Do you watch any TV? Yeah. Yeah, I, I've tried to watch... For the last several seasons, I, would, I avoided most new shit because it's usually not very good anyway. Right. Sitcom or, or episode? Either, or any of them, you know. It, mm-hmm. This year, I, I tried. It, it, not much. <laughs> I have to be hooked into it. Yeah. And, and it's... I, I find that it's a very narrow time because I still I love reading uh, I love reading online I love reading um, and so when I turn this television on it it it's it's very seldom I watch sports and news a lot right you know and then beyond that it's it's kind of hit and miss right right I I I just recently started watching that show Hello Ladies Hello Ladies oh it, yeah 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 that's the guy from uh, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> from uh, uh, <laughs> the well, the, the original the office, office and, yeah, uh, extra and um, I forgot his name, but yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that, is that is that one of the shows that are, that's um, pretty uh, good, uncomfortable to watch? Yes, yeah, you, you squirm, yeah. just like you did on the office. Right. You've done at least a curb. Have you done more than one curb? Or did no, you? I just did the one curb. You did yeah. one curb. Yeah, that was a really good curb. It, it turned out I didn't know at the time, but it was all this. It was the one where the uh, the, the kids that are too old to be trick or treating. And TP in his house, and then there's the the fellow that hears Larry humming Wagner, and he freaks out, as, you know, like and goes off on him. And, it's, and he's the father of the kids, and so, so he had all of these amazing stories. And and there was also a guy in a wheelchair that it, uh, had uh, written a, a movie, and that that was my thing was I ran into Larry at the premiere of this guy's movie. And I said, we should golf sometime. And Larry was uncomfortable because this guy's in a wheelchair. And he goes, no, I don't do that anymore. I don't do that. <laughs> so then I run into him later in the episode. And he's in golf clothes. And I, we have a big argument. Right. About, You're a liar, Larry. Did you have a hard time? Because whenever I, I've auditioned for that show four times or five times, I think five times, I had a hard time with the arguing because I never understood where it came from. I, that's what actually, the, the earlier scene of just sort of saying, you want to go play golf? We did over and over again. I was going, "What in the world does he want here?" Right. And and then when we did the, we did, only did a couple of the fight things. And I had one way up high, but there was so much arguing in the episode. They went for a much lower key one. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Right. Because that had a lot of screaming in it. I have such a hard time. I mean, I'm, you know, what we, we were talking about, uh, what your dad would tell you. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Um, I just have my brain shuts off when I get arguey. My brain just turns totally off. What sort of anti-improv <laughs> just start of argument? It, yeah, it is. But yeah. It, and it's also I can't think because my rage is so high. Were you? Are, were you? Are you an? I don't think you're an angry person. No, no. Although Jeff Machowski used to love. I I used to do a guy. Uh, it was a scene at Second City, and it was the Bears had been terrible for a really long time, but it was right before they got good again. Mm-hmm. And I was a, a Chicago guy. Sitting in a diner next to Neil, he was a coach of it, and that was Rick mm-hmm. Thomas. And it was just—it was like I was able to vent Chicago sports fans' frustration on this guy, <laughs> and I would really go berserk in it. Uh-huh. And, but the crowd was just like, "Yeah, yeah, kill him!" You know. <laughs> and it was right. during the run of that show. It was interesting. The Bears started to ascend, and mm-hmm. the, the laughs in that scene became less and less because it doesn't make sense. It anymore. didn't make as much sense. Yeah, that's so. That's a great thing about the Second City shows is there's an evolu- there, There's a shelf life that you have, and it's not just a shelf life. It's it's like batteries where when you first get it, the batteries are crisp and everything's running around. But as it keeps going on, the batteries drain Stuff and the burn energy up. It burns up on you. It burns up on you. Yeah, and then you do another show. Yeah. And it has to be crisp. And, you, and there's certain things that you go that I would look at and say, this is, I've done enough shows to know that what we're working on right now is not going to be important at all once this show goes up. Yeah. At all. Yeah. In the time I was at Second City 2, it was right after when they did a lot of political stuff and anti-Vietnam stuff and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of the era of Steve Martin. Let's put balloons on our heads and forget that shit. You right. Know? And so we did a lot of silly. St- Tim was, you know, the first one to go. I'll do that way. <laughs> right. Know? Well, the cowboy song. Yeah. Well, that was, you know, that was a. I was never more upset in my life. 
I was uh, had done whatever preceded that and was thrown into a set. Right. And it was like, you know, immediately became this huge thing. And I'm like in the wings going, oh, no, I could be a cowboy too, right? You know? And I'd have, you know, the whole of that show. Was, and that was like the, the hit of the show. And that, that scene went on for, I don't know, 45 minutes. They could, they could go as long as they were all in the mood to do it. So it was Rob Riley, George went, and Tim. No, it was Bruce. Bruce Jarko. Yeah, Bruce, Bruce Tim, right. Tim, Tim, and uh, right. George. Right, right. And, it was, and Fred kind of, I think they had some vague idea. And Fred, that was an example of Fred going, why don't you do this? And kind of, and then his music sort of set the whole tone for them. And, right. And the first time they did it, he was the one that was riding the horses, really. You know? <laughs> right, 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 right. And, and it was a hit from, but, you know, Bernie ran backstage. said, that's going in the show, that's going in the show. I love that stuff. Yeah, I yeah. love when that would happen. Yeah. Uh, I did a real sick priest thing that we we did about three nights before opening mm-hmm. that got to go into the show. This real, it was called Retreat. No, they, they stopped doing it after me because it was too dark. Uh-huh. But it made it into the show. Oh, and it would kill. It was this... Why was it so dark? What, is, what was the darkness about? It was, it was called Retreat, and it was uh, me as the priest, and there was three people at a retreat. And basically all I tried to get out of them was like, dirty stories from their lives right. and none, they were just these sweet nice people and right I, and i would i flipped out in the end of the scene right I'd, I'd end up sort of like on the cross at the end of the scene screaming <laughs> and uh i remember dan castellanetta's never gotten gotten over <laughs> he still mentions to me why my god you put yourself on the cross <laughs> oh. so those were sort of angry guys and jeff always Later on, when we I did some stuff with uh, those guys, he goes, "Do that angry guy," and I go, "You know, it's really got. I got to hit a vein where I know, or it doesn't come out." I said, "You know, I've auditioned for things over the years, and you'd have to be like a mean guy or something like that." And quite often, the casting person would go, "Oh, it's pretty good, but you know, I, there's something about you that I, I, you can't be mean." <laughs> <laughs> Every time I've ever seen you, you've never. And I went, oh, I always go, oh, okay. I remember it was L.A. Law's first season, and there was a famous uh, this guy raking some woman over the coals about breast cancer okay. kind of thing. It was a real famous when the when the episode came out, mm-hmm. and the guy what was his name Ted Harbor. He ended up being a really big deal, but at that time it was he was the L.A. Law casting guy, and he was the first guy to go to me to say that to me, going. I feel terrible telling you this," he said. And now you really did a very nice, very competent. I know you put a lot of work into that. The audition. Yeah. Uh-huh. He goes, but there's something about you that I just know. He goes, I've seen you only do comedy, and he goes, and this scene's so fragile. I keep, I, I, I keep expecting you to go wah wah to the woman or something <laughs> like that. And he goes, that's not fair. I know it isn't fair. Right. He goes, but if I'm thinking that, I think other people are going to think that. I so so many. I, there's so many of us who are like have that comedy background, and I and I look at them and think you are just such a fine actor. When I see George acting, not doing comedy, that's not to say that comedy isn't acting, but this other side of him, it's profound and deep. And to watch somebody like that, because there's something about somebody whose life is comedy, and watch them not do it, like Zero Mostel in uh, the front. Sure, heartbreaking, you know. Oh my God! Well, you know, something George I don't think ever envisioned too. You know, now he's Mister Stage Actor all the time, right? And you know, that's that's his sort of primary gig the last several years, right? And he loves it. You know, he's having this amazing time. What do you think? Tim went back to the stage now too. I know. My dad was. My dad's like, well, I could do that. I could tell jokes as a Jewish guy. He's not even Jewish. How could Kazarinsky get up in there and do that? You know, I've heard it's really a funny show. Oh, I cannot imagine. And they're sold out forever at this point, right? I can't imagine it. I want to talk to Tim when I get when I get back there. What do you think it is that that makes it that makes someone like George or someone like um, as another oh Zero Mostel? Because I don't have that. A lot of people go in order to be a comedian, you've got to have something dark in your past. I don't have that. I don't think I have that. Yeah, but they, they often say that they're like you know that's why comedians often do a nice job in a dramatic thing. Jackie Gleason used to do it occasionally. Right. right. Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure where and that comes from. The Hustler got Jackie Gleason and The Hustler. Oh, Jackie Gleason was pretty amazing, yeah. He really was. Too bad he probably drank himself to death kind of thing. You well, know. so many people have. Yeah. 
Uh, but I don't think that, that we're any darker than any anybody that's. That's I think stand-ups have that. I think the really good stand-ups can get pretty dark, mm-hmm. you know, because that, that's a much more they're self-involved. Did you do it's any just, of that? No, no. I've uh, I've had a lot of stand-ups tell me that I should go try it, but I always kind of go, no, I like to be with somebody on stage. I, that's the way I feel you know, about too. I said, you know, I I'm, I'm comfortable that way. But they'd see me do warm-ups or something like that, or in Ireland once, and you know, that was a million stand-ups. Did I do Ireland with you? You probably did because I did the first like five years of it. Um, I think George was there. Um, if George was there, I was there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you were there. I think you were there. The that very was... first year we did a state, we did a Second City show at, at like a big theater, and then the next year Billy Murray did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I did it with Joel. I think Joel was there. Did you work with Joel at all? Joel yeah, Joel was there. Yeah, Joel yeah. was there. It's weird to think about all these things and go, I, was I there? Were you there? Who was there? Was I there? I did pretty much. I think they did one more year after I stopped going. Uh huh. And then not now it's down to like they just bring Dom Herrera still goes. Right. And then usually they bring one other American. I love Dom Herrera. Oh, me too. I loved hanging out, and that's a great thing too. The people that we get to hang out with, who are just hang regular people. Yeah. Was there somebody that you worked with where you where you it it uh, where you go? I can't believe I'm sitting here with this person. Oh. Because things were different when you were at Second City. I don't, I'm not saying you're an old man, Danny Breen, but I'm saying. Well, there was, you know, there was a period because I was still pretty new in Second City. But the, when the Blues Brothers start shooting there and all that kind of stuff, it was Celebrityville kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the sets were quite often. It would be like John would do it. Right, John Bushi. Uh, yeah. Um, what just amazing? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Albert Brooks. Mm-hmm. Did the set with us a whole bunch of times. Robin Williams did it multiple times. Right. And so anybody that was in Chicago was coming in because of those guys being around, I think. And I think they still do come in. And I'd be a little overwhelmed because I was still pretty, you know, new to the whole thing. And right. I'd look around and go, my God, look who I'm on stage with. I know. And it was, yeah, and they were just, you know, sharing and doing everything with us. And but they were just people. Yeah. Yeah, They're just people. Who's I, I think, I don't know if it's Pat Ben or somebody was talking about. Oh, Krakowski was talking about the demystification when you really get to talk to somebody and look at them, speaking one-on-one with them and saying, I'm connecting with you on a human level and how great that is to be able to talk to somebody like that and say, we're all going through the same thing. We've all gone through the same thing. And some of us have had success because, who the fuck knows, it doesn't matter how they've gotten there, how they got there. It, it's a matter of that they're there and what I'm always impressed about is or what I'm always intrigued about is everything always works out. Sure. If you if you're patient enough you'll it'll be fine. Yeah. Right. Right. Don't panic or you or it's trouble, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Did the people that you were auditioning, the second city people uh, for whose line, did they make it in? You know, those people that were saying we're patient? Well the the best guy was Josh Funk, right? But they didn't really need a guy, which they should have probably not even brought all these poor guys in, right? Um, but Naima's on the show, and Naima was the best person at the auditions. Uh-huh. And then the other the, the the other person we had was a woman who's from Chicago, but not really a Second City person. Who's that? Uh, Heather Heather, Heather Campbell and Campbell, yeah, Heather Campbell, yeah. And we had to kind of fight for for. Uh, Heather, because there was one other girl who was quite good, but she and she was prettier. Uh huh. But she wasn't not nearly as funny as Heather was. Right. And these the people from the network were going, we like you know so and so. And we were going like Bernie. That yeah. sounded like Bernie. Right there. <laughs> we like so. And we'd go, well, she was fine, but right. the person that we really responded to, and and she had worked with some of these guys, right. was her. You know? Right. And they went, oh, she's don't you think she's a little odd looking? And we would went, yeah. <laughs> Do you think that things are different now, that change in terms of the odd-looking? Because I think they're, that Saturday Night Live now has more odd-looking people than they ever have had before. They gave in to us. I don't, ten years ago, they might, they might have said, no, we want the pretty girl, and that's it. Right. You know? Another thing that's happened is, is standards and practices. I used to literally have to sit next to this woman who had been at ABC like forever, and she'd, she'd usually fall asleep and was belching garlic and stuff like that. <laughs> but she'd wake up and the whole... Uh, truck would be howling, laughing at something. It would be something dirty, one of them, something like that. And she'd just catch the tail and she goes, what does that mean? And my gig Whoa. was to 
literally was to sort of get her off track and say, oh, no, that's just this thing kids do, blah, blah, say, you know. So it's okay. And I go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And this last time, I mean, stuff was, would, was coming out, and I'd go, oh, God. And, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't have that function anymore, like sitting next to somebody. And nothing was said at all. They could have cared less. That, you know, so things are really, I, I believe that with the advent of cable and with the Internet, something's going to happen. They have to happen. compete. Don't you think something, like we are on a different path here, and I think that something has to change. Because I think most people swear. Yeah, it, it was stuff that, I mean, it was a lot of silly stuff. They had to go, you can't do that. Right. And then you'd have to go out to somebody like Drew and say, uh, we were just told you can't do that. And Drew would be like, no, I don't give a shit. Right. Because Drew was the executive producer. deal with it. Was know? Drew the executive producer on that? He, well, yeah, he got the, there was several right. executive producers. But yeah, he had power. Right. And, uh, and he didn't really wheel it very much. But every once in a while, something like that, he'd dig in. I, I totally understand that. Yeah. I totally. When He'd I was like, oh, the, please, you know. When I was, the artist, when I was uh, directing a show at Second City Detroit, and the Illiches who own Little Caesars Pizza. And the Tigers. And, yeah. and the Tigers, they, that was around the time that um, the four, certain Ford cars had tires on them and they would just spontaneously explode. <laughs> and so I wanted to title the show, because the Illiches were in partners with Second City, I wanted to title the show No Tread on Me. And they went, that show will not open up with that title. And oh, I was thinking, yeah. Really? Because at Second City, you were never, that would never happen. No, every once in a while, Bernie would, just on a taste level, would say, that shouldn't happen. But, but that's, but that's yeah, a taste you, level. Usually under, I get that. You usually even understood it. Yeah, you but it's not, all like, right, yeah. yeah, it's not like we're going to open up a $100 million stadium and we're, I'm afraid that Ford is not going to put their money in. I did in. a lot of daytime talk shows, and, and the mindset behind right. that is really bizarre. Right. I remember getting like a seminar of like, this is who you're aiming at. And they said, it's an uneducated housewife who's probably ironing and smoking cigarettes while she's watching and she just wants to escape. Don't upset her. And I, I went, we're aiming at that? <laughs> Hello? We're, we're aiming. <laughs> right. And, right. And then we did Ellen. And luckily, Ellen was somebody who went, I don't care about that lady. <laughs> you know, if she wants to come along. He goes, she, and she was right. She goes, I think that lady's going to like me. Right. And I think I'll bring in other people that don't watch daytime television. That's really true. Because what you're, what you're aiming toward is you're aiming towards the bottom bucket of the, of the barrel. You're aiming toward that. And I always feel like I'm not talking to that person. Yeah. When, when I'm teaching a class and someone says, well, what if you're working with somebody who, and I'm like, I don't, I'm not. I'm not here to teach you how to work with douchebags. Yeah. What you know? What good's going to come out of that? Right. You know, we're just going to create more crap. Exactly. We don't, we don't need it. You know? um, was it fun working on Ellen? Yeah. For the most part, it was the collaboration of the writers. I I was with brilliant people, really mm -hmm. funny. Most of them stand-ups. Right. Um, Ellen's is is because I did a lot of that kind of stuff. I liked that you could take something to her, and she always made it work. Right. And usually improved it. You know? Right. And it was very. Very conscious of what she does, right? And does and not who she is, and who she is, and does right. not stray from that at all, right? And won't say anything mean about anybody. Mm -hmm. And you know, here you have this room full of cynical writers, right. Who take their shots here and there, and Ellen would always catch it and go, "That's funny, but I won't say that." Right. I agree, right. but I won't say that. Right. Because that's not how the world perceives me. She had a little bit of. Uh, Celebrity stuff that was kind of weird sometimes where you'd go, what? I did a joke about a, 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 red, a cash machine, you know, and she went, what is that? Oh. And I kind of went, what is that? And I was like looking around the room and she goes, I don't know what that is. And I go, it's, it's you know, it's where everybody gets their cash. You know, you put your card in, you get your cash out. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and, and Karen Kilgariff was our head writer, and I just adored her, and a really funny lady. And she was kind of, she would always sit in there, and I saw her going, like, just accept it. That's not going to get in. You know? It was a real good job. I don't remember the joke now, but it was, it, you know, very happy with it. And I was kind of going, come on. And then the, two of the writers knew her pretty well, and they said, well, I know for a fact that Ellen's cash machine is a drawer in her house that her assistant fills all the time. <laughs> I said, oh, and I went, well, the joke won't work then. <laughs> no, it's a very different joke. But she, I, you know, but it, I still doubt like why she 
didn't know that. <laughs> uh, I had, a, and I think I mentioned it on the podcast before, I had a woman in a class, an American woman born and raised here, uh, you know, I don't know, in her 30s, maybe, late 20s, and I gave her a suggestion of cowboy. And she said, um, I don't know what that is. And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> and I went, you know, cowboy, like John Wayne, cowboy. Which I thought, maybe she doesn't know who John Wayne is, and I get that too. And she goes, I don't know what that cowboy is. It's like, okay, there, and you go, are you really? The, okay, there's a horse. Where have you been? Yeah. There's a horse, and she goes, I, I know. And everybody was chiming in like, Indians, you know, cowboys and Indians. She's going, oh, and I was watching her, I was watching her get so frustrated, and she just stopped, and she went, she broke down crying and said, I don't know what a cowboy is. And I went, okay, great, you're a nurse. <laughs> Well, hopefully she knew the nurse. I, yes. If she didn't... Right, right. How do you not... I don't you know. How do you not know what a, a cash machine is? Right. Know? How do you not know what a cash machine is? But it's also like... But if she you doesn't never shop. She doesn't do any I of that know. stuff. So she's, I don't want that life. Dude. Yeah. I don't want that life. Oh, no. And she's, she's very kind of reclusive and, and, and horribly. We did get death threats and stuff like that strictly because she was a gay woman on right. television. Right. We had like amazing security in that place because of... The stuff that people were threatening. And how that changes your life. And I think that so many people say, oh, I really wish that I was famous or I want to be that famous. And I think, do you really? What happens? Because you then are narrowing your life into, a, there's only a certain amount of places that you can go to. Mm -hmm. Or how do you meet people? Even George, still, you know, he, he can't hide. <laughs> I know. He, he's norm. To, and and it's, it's not as much as it used to be, but you, you'd go somewhere with him and it would just be, I was at a baseball game and the whole crowd started turning around and everybody was going, Norm! Oh my God, no. Yeah, and, and you know, George is basically a shy guy. Right. And all of a sudden, beers start coming up from every direction. I want to buy Norm a beer. And George was on the wagon at the time. And so it was, it was Tom Tully and I and uh, Joel Bloom. He used to be a stage manager at Second City. Wait, Joel Bloom had a, had, didn't he have a venue out here? He had a store downtown. He actually really created the arts district. Yeah, he was the guy that fought for that. He and I had had because I was doing a bunch of shows down there. He and George and I were roommates when I first moved to Chicago, and so we all got really drunk because it was just and George had taken bought a limousine for the night for us. So we were all kind of going, well, we're going to get thrown in a limousine, and cut to the end of the night, the limo guy got lost somewhere. We were walking around Dodger Stadium. Really drunk, no. except for George, and he and he had every goon in the world screaming "Norm" and running up to him. His would, his theory is to never stop. Ron Howard told him that, like, I'll sign anybody's autograph, I'll do whatever they want, but we don't stop because if you stop, you're screwed. Right. So that was with you were George. You always had to keep going like this. Or we ran out of I've run out of stadiums with George, just like right before something's over, he'll go, "Okay, let's go," and you bolt. <laughs> And it's not as bad anymore, but it's still in restaurants and stuff. And I get, if I'm with them, they'll think I'm John Ratzenberger. Oh, like you guys, like all this And they'll start going, out. I love you guys. And we start going, what? And then I always go, oh, they, you know. I, which, oddly enough, I did play uh, in a, uh, a Frasier. There was a, an episode called when The Show Where Diane Comes Back. And so it was Shelley Long. Mm -hmm. And Shelley had oh. written a play. Uh-huh. And the play... Shelley's character had written a play. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Diane from Cheers right. had written a play. Mm -hmm. And she was visiting her old friend, uh, Frazier, in Seattle, because her play was going to be there. Mm -hmm. And he goes to see the play, and the play is Cheers. Wow. So, and I, and I was, I was uh, John Ratzinger, but I was Cliff <laughs> in the play. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so awesome and meta. <laughs> I remember seeing Shelley. That was one of the first casts that I saw with Shelley Long yeah. on that. And I, I remember looking at her and thinking, I, I'm in love with that person. She was like a TV celebrity in Chicago because she was the like some commercial or, or something. Some right? home something or other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she was yeah, on yeah. TV constantly. Yeah. And in Chicago, that's a big, you know, there's oh, yeah. the lady that's always on television. Right. You know? And so she, she, but she was also beautiful. And I thought, that's the kind of woman I want to marry, a Catholic. <laughs> and then I did. <laughs> and that, well, that lasted as long as it lasted. <laughs> um, okay, let's speak of the witch. Let's end there. Okay. That was really good. Thank you so much, David. Oh, thank you. It was really fun. Wow. Today's episode was sponsored by GoDaddy. Thinking about starting a new website? GoDaddy is offering one 
new or transfer.com for just $1.99 for the first year. Go to GoDaddy.com and enter the code ADDcomedy at checkout or click on the GoDaddy banner on our website, ADDcomedy.com. Hello, ADD Comedy Podcast listeners. Dave Rosowski here. First off, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And second off, if you've ever wanted to take a class with me but thought, gosh, I don't think I'll ever be around where David is, know that you can now take the virtual class at iActing. Just check our website out, and there's a link there. Click on that link, and that will set you up. you got to do a little hunting, but I think that it's well worth it. We'll hear you in your ears. Bye. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrozowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.